following podcast is part of the Underdog Sports Podcasting Network. For a full list of our shows, as well as breaking sports news and engaging feature stories, visit us at www.theunderdogsports.com. Basketball Society. going on everybody Alex Fishbein back again with another season preview episode of the Atlantic Files we of course are brought to you by basketballsocietyonline.com and the underdog sports podcast network as always, make sure you check both of them out. Make sure you check out basketballsocietyonline.com. You may get a little bit of an error at the moment. We are under maintenance a little bit, but we should be back up and running very, very soon, and we will be firing off content like crazy. But with the underdog, they are not under maintenance. They should be good to go, and they have some great podcasts on their network as well. Uh, including this one and another Basketball Society podcast by the name of Sunday Fadeaway. So definitely check all of those podcasts out. Uh, you, you listen and support one of them, you pretty much support us all. So thank you guys. Thank you for that. And I just want to say, I just want to point this out. If you ever have any questions about like when I might be releasing an episode because I know uh, like I usually try and do it within the Monday through Friday of every single week. Um, if you if you ever have any, ever any questions about that, then definitely give me a follow on Twitter at Atlantic Files. I usually announce when I'm going to be releasing an episode, when I'll be recording some episodes, so there will be your main source of knowledge on kind of finding out when I'll be dropping stuff, and also sometimes the content of what might be in the episodes. I do like to sometimes put out a couple polls here and there and try and get uh, some feedback from you guys on some things that I'm working on for the podcast as well. And I would love to hear some questions from you guys as well. So what I did is I just put together a little bit of a hashtag. Uh, it's just T-A-F-Pod. That's T-A-F-Pod. That's uh, the hashtag that I will be using on Twitter to talk about the show. And if you have any questions at all for any episodes or if you have like some sort of topic submission or anything like that that you might want me to talk about uh or or you might you know have somebody you know of that might want to be on the show or you want me to ask specific people onto the show use that hashtag and you know at me on twitter either one or both and i will get to it so without further ado we will jump into the season 
preview because obviously, well, it's actually 1 a.m. So technically, yes, even while I'm recording this and probably while you're listening to this, today is the start of the NBA season. We finally have a real live NBA game since the finals. I mean, it's been months here. It's been it's been a, a big drought, and I mean, I know a lot of us have been really just. I mean, it's been kind of dreadful without the NBA season. To be completely honest with you, I mean, the WNBA did tide me over a little bit. I do love watching the WNBA. If you don't know that already, I'm usually the uh, main source of. WNBA content on Basketball Society as well. So I'll be watching that whenever the NBA is not in season. And it did tide me over a little bit. The playoffs were pretty good. The finals were good again because of the links and the sparks. But it's not the NBA. I love the WNBA. Don't get me wrong. I really do. And I I really hate the fact that people continuously try and disrespect the WNBA as if these women can't play basketball. Um, but the NBA is its own separate beast. Um, and th- that's just what we got to we, we gotta chalk it up to. They're their own separate entities. Stop comparing them as the, if they're the same thing. And take each one for what they're worth. That's really all you got to do. And then you can appreciate the WNBA and the fundamentals and the, the pure skill of basketball that the women possess and then you can also i know it's a crazy concept it's really crazy that you can appreciate one thing and another thing without disrespecting the other one mind blown right well yeah so you can also appreciate the athleticism the the physicality and the electrifying play of the nba as well so what we will be doing is we will be going from last place to first place. And when I say that, what I really mean is that I went through each team's schedule. And I went through each game, and I wrote down next to each game whether I thought they would win that game or lose that game. And then at the very very end, I tallied them up. For a final record, and that is where they would finish. So, now, I just want to also put this out there that I didn't, like, research every single game. And when I say that, I mean I didn't look at last year's stats of all the people on both teams and then try and predict their stats for this coming year and then take into account the, like... Uh, like predicting rookie stats. I I took each team as they are in my head, kind of formulated how they would play away, how they would play at home, how they play against the Eastern Conference, the Western Conference within the Atlantic Division against each other. And I, I, I like I in my head predicted on how the team would gel and mold, but I'm not, I didn't like, you know, study, some super advanced stats to predict it with some kind of formula. I didn't do that. I went through and pretty much just predicted what would happen. And I just went through one one run through. I didn't go back and you know like scratch something off and think like ah, I don't know, maybe this, maybe that. No. I went straight through gut feeling 
just put out put down a W or an L. So starting with last place, the New York Knicks. Bum bum bum. Yeah, I mean this is kind of expected. I know some people might be expecting the Brooklyn Nets in this spot, but I do like how the Brooklyn Nets are looking right now, and the New York Knicks right now are looking pretty sad. Uh, yeah, they're they're bad. And, you know, there's still doubts that Porzingis can play a full 82. I mean, he's he's been playing, like, mid-60s, mid upper 60s. I think his rookie season played, like, lower 70s. So it's not like he's been playing every single game of the season. I'm not saying he's at Joel Embiid level where, you know, you have to really, really uh, be concerned that he won't even play half the season. But being the go-to guy on the team now, if you're only playing about 65 games, that means your team is exponentially worse in those games that you're not playing. <laughs> and on a team that's already bad, if you get exponentially worse, whew, I will just say a prayer real quick for Knicks fans everywhere and their eyes that may be watching the game at any point. Anyway, their opening game, lucky New York, their opening game at Oklahoma City. Oh, yeah, they're going to get killed. <laughs> I mean, Melo facing his old team. Sure, it's not in New York, but still facing his old team. They also have uh, two other guys by the name of Russell Westbrook and Paul George. And the Knicks have, you know, Frank Aquina, they have Porzingis, they have Hardaway Jr. Now I'm going to let you decide which big three you think is going to win that game. Yeah, you probably didn't think about it that hard, so they're going to lose. Now, I'm not going to go through every single game for every every team here and say, like, lose, win, lose, 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 win, lose, blah, blah, blah. No, I'm going to pick out some of the games here that I just want to highlight. So, obviously, their first game uh, at Oklahoma City, it's, it's going to be a loss. Uh, what I have as their first win of the season is actually the second game home against Detroit. Now... I have been thinking and saying that I think Detroit will make the playoffs in the Eastern Conference. Uh, at the same time, I don't think that's really saying much because we all know that the Eastern Conference is quite weak, especially with guys like Melo and Paul George both going to the West, Butler going to the West, uh, you know, Wade leaving Chicago and then going to Cleveland, and Kyrie going down to Boston. You know, there's just the top few teams, and then the rest of the East is pretty bad. We know this. Uh, so I do have Detroit in the playoffs for the East, but they'd be losing to the Knicks for the Knicks' first win, and then, it go, and then they'd be going on a losing streak, but that, that's beside the point. So another game for the Knicks that I want to highlight would be... Let's see here. It was... So, Christmas Day, that's the one, uh, against Philadelphia. Before, I, when they announced the Christmas Day games, they definitely had the thought that Melo was still going to be on the team. And it probably would have been a lot more interesting if Melo was on the team. But now, 
especially at home in New York on Christmas, where I feel like a lot of people, I mean, they still might show up because it is Madison Square Garden, but I feel like it'll be mostly Sixers fans because especially if Embiid is still healthy at the time and we've seen Simmons and Fultz really grow into their roles, this could really be a blowout. And I know a lot of people would love to go watch the Sixers at a historic place like Madison Square Garden. So with that, with how bad the Knicks team is going to be and how much hype is surrounding the Sixers team, I could see this almost playing out to be like a Sixers home game on Christmas. Uh, It's just... That's just how it's going to play out, especially when, you know, it's right up the road. Um, and then, so, after Christmas, well, I should say, okay, so the other game was before Christmas, Oklahoma City comes to New York on December 16th. And obviously that'll be the the mellow return game. He comes back to New York. They'll probably give him some kind of video tribute because, you know, I mean, he did lead them to a little bit of a playoff run his first year in New York. And he brought some excitement back to New York his first couple years, you know, with Amari Stoudemire and, and, and J.R. Smith and Shumpert and them. But... After that, it's been kind of, you know, just turmoil and drama and losing and more losing and not getting anywhere and all sorts of stuff. So I do think he will get a video tribute. Do I think it's going to be like some extraordinary, extraordinarily long and elaborate and crazy video tribute? Probably not. But I do think he will get one, and I think Oklahoma City will probably still blow them out. So, you know, win-win situation for Carmelo, really. Uh, And then, so after that, with a few of their games against Chicago, I had them winning because really in the East, the only team I see that's worse than the Knicks is Chicago. Because they don't really have, I mean, they have marketing, but... He would really be him and Levine would be their best like prospects uh, going forward, and even then, I don't think either of these two guys are going to be franchise changing players. They'll probably grow into like very good rotational players and maybe even a starter in in Markkanen's case for for the team later on. But I don't think they're franchise changing people. So the team itself is going to be quite bad. Uh, the fact that Robin Lopez is the, like the best player on the team should probably be a little problematic. So I do have the Knicks beating them. I actually do have the Knicks beating the Sixers in a couple of games because, you know, for some reason the Knicks just seem to play well against the Sixers. I haven't beaten the Nets a couple of games, Utah a couple of games. Atlanta is going to be pretty bad as well, so, you know, we're going to have them battling with Atlanta. But overall, I have the Knicks finishing the season at 19-63. and 63. And with the lottery reform... They probably won't even get a good pick.
You know how sad that is? I still can't stand this lottery reform. I'm I'm telling you, the whole lottery reform is stupid. It shouldn't have changed to this, especially. And you really just need to go back to just... It, like, just give us the regular lottery. The, it was fine that way. Sure, a couple teams are might tank. But when you still have, you know, like five teams in that upper echelon that are going to be uh, very, very exciting and that they're in that championship contention level, then you're always going to have really, really bad teams. It's just going to happen that way. So, yeah, Knicks, last place in the Atlantic, 19-63. and 63, Probably either last or second to last in the entire Eastern Conference. Uh, right down there with Chicago and Atlanta. And so, on to the fourth place team in the Atlantic Division. I have the Brooklyn Nets. Now, I have them winning their very first game because it's at Indiana. And Indiana is also not very good. But, you know, then then the rockiness starts, losing to Orlando. Orlando's another team that's kind of like, they, they're not really that good to say that they're going to finish with any kind of close to a top seed. They could sneak in an eighth seed to get into the playoffs, but at the same time, it's like, do we really want to watch them in the playoffs? Like, do they really? I don't see anybody on that team that's really like, wow, I want to see this guy in the postseason. Because even Aaron Gordon, sure, he, he his, his dunks and stuff are exciting, but that's really about it. And then after that, I mean, Jonathan Isaac will be pretty cool to watch, but that's about it. That's just all I see. But I have the Brooklyn Nets losing to them because the Brooklyn Nets are going to be very off-and-on sort of team. Even though I like what they're doing with the team they have with D'Lo and... Jeremy Lin, Jared Allen, and Hollis Jefferson, and all those guys, I still think they're going to be a very, they're still going to have a very rocky season, like it's still not a team built to win, so it's not like they're going to be winning 40 games or anything like that, but I like the direction that they're in, um, and I do have them beating New York most of the time when they do face off with the Knicks. Uh, the Western Conference teams, I really don't have them beating many at all. I have them beating uh, Phoenix once. I even have them beating Dallas once and Utah once. And then Sacramento once. And I think that is about it. The rest are all of the, you know, like kind of the bottom of the barrel Eastern teams. And then gets up to about the average Eastern teams. Uh, they don't have a Christmas game this year. Their game before Christmas is at Indiana, which I actually have them losing. And then, uh, their game right after Christmas, December 26th, is at San Antonio, which I also have them losing. So, uh, yeah. And then, uh, when it comes to facing Philadelphia, I do have them winning a couple of those because I could see the team getting hot. Uh, and just, you know, being able to actually shoot the lights out with, you know, D'Angelo Russell and Jeremy Lin and even Sean Kilpatrick. And uh, they do have the ability to score in bunches. And those are most likely going to be the games that they win because it'll probably surprise the other team at that point. Um, but 
overall, I mean, I don't really have many games to exactly highlight for the Nets. They don't really have like a rivalry kind of team. They don't really have a player. I mean, they have Brooke Lopez, who they'll see in L.A., but I have them losing to to L.A., I uh, just feel like LA is a lot more dynamic parts to their team that Brooklyn won't exactly keep up with, especially if Kuzma turns out to be what he's looking like so far, and then if Lonzo Ball can really distribute the ball well to the entire team. Uh, the the big thing is with the Lakers is there are a lot of ifs, you know, with Brandon Ingram, with Lonzo Ball, with Kyle Kuzma, and... Uh, like pretty much how Caldwell Pope will fit in there uh, to how Clarkson will keep developing uh, off the bench. There there are a lot of question marks, but I do think that the Lakers would end up beating Brooklyn, especially because I don't see Mozgov stopping Brook Lopez. And Jared Allen might be able to chase him around a little bit when, when Brook Lopez is actually hitting, you know, now that he's shooting threes and everything. But ultimately, I still feel like it's going to be too much for Brooklyn. So, with that being said, I have Brooklyn finishing the season at 26-56. and 56. So a full seven games ahead of the New York Knicks. Now, in third place... I have the Philadelphia 76ers. I think that I'm probably actually a little bit more down on the Sixers than a lot more people. The I like whenever you hear the especially Philly radio, a lot of them are saying around like the setting the over under at 40 wins and a lot of people are taking the over. And I don't think a lot of people understand, like they're they're letting the hype kind of get to their head, and they're not understanding that young teams really don't win that much in the NBA. We watched it with Minnesota. We were all really, really hyped to see Wiggins, Towns, uh, when when they still had Levine, when they got done. You know, we were all really excited to see this team, and we were all putting that team like eighth seed in the West, in the West. We're talking about the really very difficult Western Conference, and people were putting them in the eighth seed, and they finished like more than a few games out of that. Uh, they didn't finish 500. So I don't, especially with the fact that the the Sixers have the injury issues with Joel Embiid, I don't see them finishing 500. I see them finishing like a good handful of games under 500 so their first game is at Washington I actually have them losing their very first game Uh, it's looking like Embiid is going to have a minute restriction to start the season at least and they were saying in the teens of a minute restriction and I did also see a story that said that he was upset about that and like he wants to play and I get it. I mean, he's been sitting out for so long, and now that he's got this new contract, and now that he's shown some uh, more promise again in the preseason, you're if you're a competitive guy, you want to play. I get it. But I also get it from the Sixers' standpoint that you're going to pay this guy a hundred-something million dollars, and you kind of want to protect your investment. So I see both sides of it. And... Ultimately, I do think the Sixers will give him that minute restriction at least for the first, like, month, month and a half, probably. 
So I see them losing their very first game and then losing the game against Boston the game after that. But getting their first win, surprisingly, at Toronto. I know that's what sounds weird, but that's just that. Like I said, it's my gut kind of feeling. Now, there are some dates to highlight for the Sixers. In example, their first game against the Lakers. They will be at L.A. on November 15th. And this is a big game for them because of, you know, the whole, all all of those tweets about Lonzo Ball when he first got drafted with Embiid. Uh, copying Ben Simmons' sister's tweet saying, I hope you dunk on him and make his daddy run on the court, blah, blah, blah. Uh, That will be a very exciting game, and I can tell you that the media and all of the fans will be hyping that game up uh, for a while, um, especially leading up to it, and it's going to be a fun one. I actually have them winning that first game against Los Angeles in Los Angeles, but then losing the second game against the Lakers at home on December 7th. Now, I know <laughs> I know my man BJ from Basketball Society, one of my fellow Basketball Society guys. I know he's going to be hyped that I even have them winning in Philly because I know he's going to be going to that game. But that's just kind of how I see it because I feel like the Sixers will get extra, you know, elevate their game that extra bit when they go to L.A. and then kind of have a little bit of that letdown when they finally come to Philly. Uh, it's, It's just something that you kind of see often where they get so excited to play a team for the first time and then you play them the second time and it's kind of like, uh, maybe not. But, you know, if they lose, then maybe they will be excited to play that second game again. But, you know, since I have them winning, I don't think they will. And then a game that I already talked about with the Knicks on Christmas Day at noon. I have them winning that one as well. And really after that, you know, after the All-Star break, I have them winning a decent amount. Like I have a four-game win streak in in March for them. But... A lot of this really does depend on Joel Embiid's health. And I know everyone's been saying that. Like, I've been saying it a lot. Everyone has been saying, blah, 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 depends on Joel Embiid. Uh, Ben Simmons is good, but this team depends on Joel Embiid's health. Yes, it's true, though, because as you can see in the preseason game, when Joel Embiid was in there, he made everybody else better, whereas, you know... When it was just Ben Simmons, they were still they they were still good, but they weren't as good when Embiid was in there. So there's still uh, a lot to a lot to look at, especially with Ben Simmons' reluctance to shoot the ball. Like I, a lot of people are concerned with Fultz's shot which they should be because it looks ugly. It does. But he has proven that he can score. We know Fultz can score. We've seen it in college. We've seen him shoot 40% from the three-point line. Granted, it was the college three-point line and the NBA line's a little bit deeper. But still, we have seen this guy pour in buckets. We have not really seen Ben Simmons, the jump shooter. 
That's not something that we've actively seen at LSU or anywhere for that matter. So the big thing is I feel like teams might give him the kind of room that they give like Rondo or Roberson. Like they're going to dare him to shoot the ball because right now it looks like TJ McConnell could probably beat Ben Simmons in a shooting contest, and nobody has really been scared of TJ McConnell shooting, let's be honest here. So, honestly, I'm more worried about Ben Simmons scoring than I am of Fultz's shooting. So, it's going to be... Like, when I was talking about there was a lot of ifs from some of the other teams there, um... There's going to be a lot of ifs for this team concerning health, but also concerning jump shot changes and offensive changes because Ben Simmons is going to have in his head that, hey, I have to be the guy. But, you know, that's all well and good if you know you have to be the guy, but if you can't shoot and actually be the guy, then thinking you have to be the guy isn't going to help anything. So that that will be worrisome. But in the end, I have the Sixers finishing 37-45 and 45 for third place in the Atlantic. And I want to say that I would have them in the eighth seed, but I actually don't have them making the playoffs at 37-45. and 45. Sue me. Whatever. Hate me. I just don't see it this season. And I think it'll set up a better next season so second place in the atlantic we have the toronto raptors now this team largely is the same from last season they lost a few guys obviously like demario carroll and patrick patterson now patterson is a much bigger of an impact uh in terms of you know the the loss than demario carroll but they did acquire cj miles And you can see what he's bringing to the table just by one of their most recent preseason games when he dropped 27 points. I mean, C.J. Miles is coming in there and actually giving you some dependable shooting that Damari Carroll did not. Is his defense on the exact same level as Damari Carroll? It might not be as good, but at the same time, Damari Carroll wasn't locking anybody down. I mean, if I was watching a game and Damari Carroll's on their best player, well, their best player was still putting in buckets Damari Carroll was brought in there as the LeBron stopper and did he stop LeBron hell no so CJ Miles I think will be the better impact there between him and Damari Carroll but it will be hard to fill the void of Patrick Patterson because a lot of the very very efficient offensive lineups for Toronto included Patrick Patterson. You can go back and listen to some of my episodes from last season and see that Patterson was in almost every every like three man and up lineup that made a real impact for the team. He was in like every single one of those except one. I believe, if I remember correctly. So, uh, yeah, losing that guy is going to be a bit of a bit of trouble. Now, 
I have the Raptors winning their first game because they're playing home against Chicago. So that should be a very, very easy first game of the season. Uh, and then I have them, you know, playing Philly. And like I said before, I actually had them losing that one. And it'll be a surprise. Like, everyone everyone will talk about it and be like, wow, the Sixers, they beat Toronto in Toronto. And they're like, what happened to the Raptors? Like, they, they lost their second game of the season. And then I have them losing to San Antonio and Golden State. And they're going to be on, like, a 1-3 with a three-game losing streak. And people are going to be like, what? Kyle Lowry and DeRozan, are they done? Like, are, are we finished seeing them in, even in the playoffs? And it's going to be like, nah, chill. It's the first four games of the season. And then I have them going on a six-game win streak. <laughs> so they're going to be right back in it. And it's the Raptors. I mean, DeRozan and Lowry, they're going to do what they've been doing for the last few seasons, getting this team to the playoffs. They're going to have another very good season. Um, and they are not playing on Christmas either. They're one of the teams playing before and after Christmas. They play Philly twice, actually, before Christmas on the 21st and 23rd. And I have them winning both of those. And then they play Dallas the 26th. Have him winning that, but then losing to Oklahoma City on the 27th because, you know, that uh, on a second game of back-to-back, you have to play at Oklahoma City against Westbrook, Mello, and, and George. Yeah, no, I, I don't I don't see them winning that. But overall, I have them at 52-30, and 30, and I have them with some really good battles with Milwaukee. Like, I think these two teams... Milwaukee and the Raptors are going to be the ones fighting for that third seed. And ultimately, honestly to me, I think that Milwaukee will end up winning that third seed. But I think it'll be these two battling for that. Well, you throw in the Wizards as well. But I, I would have the Bucks in the third seed with probably... See, that's tough, because I think the Wizards and the Raptors are going to finish, like, right around the same exact record. If I had to guess, I'd probably put the Wizards in front of the Raptors, but that's just if I'm forced to guess right now. But yeah, I have them at 52-30 and for second place in the Atlantic Division, so that obviously leaves one team left, and that is the team that will be playing tonight to tip off the NBA season. That is the Boston Celtics, and... If you want my prediction for what will happen in the tip-off game. It was like my version of a mic drop, but I dropped my pen. And it kind of fell in between the crack of the, the desk. And now I can't even reach it. So I made a bad decision. But I have them beating Cleveland to start the season now there has been talk about LeBron James not even playing because of a sprained ankle I was actually not under the assumption he was he was uh going to be out uh when I made the decision to give them the W for it but I still gave him the W for it I mean that's just what it's going to be and so with that I actually have them starting the season on a four-game win streak I have them beating Cleveland, then Milwaukee, then Philly, then the Knicks. But then losing to Milwaukee in Milwaukee. (laughs) 
So, I mean, I have them going on like a good amount of win streaks throughout the season. This team's going to be good, especially if Kyrie buys into the whole team system and doesn't go full ISO Kyrie all the time and, you know, try to take over entire games by himself while Hayward, Horford, Tatum, Brown, and, and company wallow in their uh, pity of not touching the ball as they just watch Kyrie try and pull out some wizardry and throw balls at the hoop. Um, I have him buying into the team game, and I think that they will do incredibly well because of that. And I have them finishing 55 and 27. And actually, so leading up to Christmas, this is this is what I have here. Leading up to Christmas, I have them on an eight-game win streak. So Chicago, Denver, Utah, Memphis, Indiana, Miami, New York, Chicago again. I have them beating all those guys. Those are not really that good of teams. Then on Christmas at home against Washington with that little bit of, well, I don't even know if it's a rivalry game anymore because the the main guys that were in the rivalry aren't even there. Like Crowder isn't there anymore. I mean, he was like the main guy that really started things with with John Wall. So right there is just like it may not be that much of a rivalry game anymore. But, I mean, there still are some guys that are still left. Uh, But, yeah, I have them losing on Christmas at home against Washington after being on an eight-game win streak. And that spawned a three-game losing streak, including that game. Because then I have them losing at Charlotte and then home against Houston. So while I do have them with a lot of win streaks in there, there are a couple little bit of losing streaks. I mean, like very little ones. Uh, most mostly just one loss here and there uh, throughout the season because I only have them with twenty-seven losses overall. But I have Kyrie, so I I, I predicted that Kyrie will average twenty-five and six. Hayward will average 22, 5 assists, 7 rebounds a game. And Horford will average 16 points, 4 assists, 9 rebounds a game. Uh, I think Hayward is going to look very, very good in a faster offense. The The one reason why I don't really have this team winning 60 games, though, is because, yes, they did get... Kyrie and Hayward but they still after those guys are pretty young and coming off the bench are is going to be a lot of younger players who will I I feel like give up leads to more experienced teams especially the better teams as the season goes on like guys like the the second team is going to mainly consist of guys like smart like jason tatum probably as the season goes on and morris comes back uh brown will probably get a lot of run with the second team and i just think that these younger guys are going to play fast they're going to be very athletic and everything but i think their inexperience will come back to bite them in the end of games uh well, well, not like at the very end of games where it's in crunch time because obviously the starters will be in there at that point. But I mean like kind of those stretches in the game where you want the bench in because you want to give your guys the, the breather, but the other team has the more experienced and maybe more deeper bench, and that's where they'll be in trouble. So that's just why I don't have them winning 60-some games. 
Um, but as far as other player uh, predictions go, I have Lowry with 22 and 8. I have DeRozan with 28 points per game and 6 rebounds a game. I have Embiid playing 60 games, 60, averaging 20 points, 2 assists, 8 rebounds, and 2 blocks a game. I have Ben Simmons averaging 13 points a game and 10 assists per game. And then Fultz I have averaging 10 points a game and 4 assists a game. And who else am I missing here that I had for you guys here? Oh, D'Angelo Russell. I have him averaging 23 points a game. That is right. I have him averaging 23, but then only like four assists. Because, I mean, Jeremy Lin will probably be more of the distributive kind of guy on the Brooklyn Nets. And then for the Knicks, I have Porzingis averaging 19 and 8. And Nidalekina averaging 12 and 6. So those are my player averages as well. And my standings, my uh, standings predictions for the Atlantic Division. And now, let's debut the section called Out of Bounds. Now, I, I talked about this. I just didn't have the name for it last week, but I talked about this last week when I said there will be a segment where we kind of get off topic with the Atlantic Division. It could still be about basketball, but it might be about something completely different. Like I said about, you know, video games, music, uh, whatever may be the hot topic on my mind of the week. Yes, on my mind. Not the hot topic in general, because really the only hot topic ever anymore is politics. So uh, the hot topic on my mind of the week. And what I want to talk about this week is it it pertains to the Americans missing the World Cup in soccer. Now, it's not like exactly about soccer itself, but it pertains to, I, I don't know if you guys saw the big rant that one of, uh, it was, I forget his name, but it was one of the anchors on ESPN kind of going on this huge rant about the, like, what are the what is the US national team doing like we have a ton of people to choose from for the the national team and they go out and lose to Trinidad and Tobago Tobago um and people complained about the field being wet whereas some other countries went out there and played on a cow pasture and still got the job done and Americans complain about it i like, I really just, with that sentiment alone, agreed with it in all sports. Because I can't tell you guys how much I have heard, like, I, I've heard high school teams complain that a school didn't have turf. Like, we've gotten to the point where we complain about where we're playing the sport. Like, if you are at a certain point in your sports career where you have to complain about the surface that it is played upon, you do not love the sport that you are playing. Because I can tell you right now, there we have our our, our head guy, 
Martin Soares is over in Ghana right now teaching some of those kids to play basketball on, you know, just a slab of cement with some hoops up. Like, there are places overseas where kids are legitimately making hoops out of wooden baskets and they're playing in alleyways and they love it. And these kids are, you know, if you put them on like a real hoop, they'd probably be pretty good because they've been practicing like just with whatever they can practice with. And it just, it's, it's mind boggling to me to really see other Americans. Now I'm saying Americans because I don't have experience hearing people from other countries complain about this. I only hear Americans complain about it. So that's why if you want to sit here and tell me, well, you know, Pierre from France said that he complained about the, his, his basketball court. Look, this I'm telling you from my experience. And I'm saying that I have heard guys complain about playing in a park because the cement isn't that well paved or the the net is ripped or the the backboard is rusted or they're indoors at a YMCA and the hardwood floor is a little too dusty or the 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 rim isn't as new like come on you're here to play the game of basketball. In in the national team's case, you're here to play the game of soccer. You're not here for a, a, a fashion runway contest where everything has to be perfect so you can kick the ball into the net. No, if you love this sport, if you love any sport, and you love the sport that you're playing, you're not going to make excuses for the the conditions of where you're playing you're gonna make do with it and put your heart out there and put everything on the line to play that sport now i'd I'd, like just sharing an anecdote part of this i love volleyball and basketball i could not continue to play basketball in high school when i was diagnosed with crohn's disease because at the time first off we didn't really exactly know what it was at first and second off I didn't have the energy to really even make it through a regular school day of sitting in classes because it would drain my energy like that before I started the different medications that I'm on now. So I couldn't play for the school team, but I played pickup. I played every single time that my friends came over in our driveway. And when it came, when it came to volleyball, I live in the, the Philadelphia area. There were in my high school and middle school time there were no men's volleyball clubs in the southeastern part of Pennsylvania. I had to travel 2 hours just to go to a practice that was only 2 hours long and drive 2 hours back to my house. So I was traveling 2 times more than actually practicing. But I wasn't complaining about the travel time because I was getting to play the sport that I loved and I still got to play it throughout my entire middle school, high school career, went on to play club in college and, you know, even on the club team in college, I even got to be all division when I was a freshman, which is still one of the highlights of my career because, yeah, sure, I didn't play D1, but I played the highest I could and got a a pretty cool accolade out of it. And now I'm still playing to this day 
And no matter what team I'm on, I try and do whatever I can to do to help the team win. But when people come out and say, you know, I didn't like that court. I just couldn't play on that court. I mean, if we played somewhere else, I would have done much better. No, just own up to it. Just own up to the fact that you were bad that game. You sucked that game. And you're going to have to try your try so much better and work your ass off to get better and actually go out there and win next time. Stop giving excuses about the atmosphere and the court or the field or the 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 fans were mean to you. The fans are always going to be mean because there's always there's always ridiculous fans because they're going to be drunk at some of these games that's just always gonna happen that's not something you can control sure the security guards will find a couple of those guys but they're not gonna find them all and then even if you say you can't play because you don't have you know say you you work nine hours ten hours a day and you don't have time work on or go play on your lunch break go play right after work and then go get dinner and then you're done like dude like If you love the game, if you are a student of the game, you will find a way. And this is not only talking about the U.S. national soccer team. This is about everybody. If you are playing a sport that you claim you love, you should not come with that excuse ever. Period. Anyway, that's it for me, guys. Thank you for listening to the season preview episode and the new debut of the out of bounds segment i will be back again next week and we'll have some real games to talk about i'll be you know keeping my notes as usual to see exactly what's been going on in these games and try and bring the best analysis to you guys every single week on the atlantic division because this is the atlantic files remember make sure you use the hashtag taf pod that is hashtag taf pod on Twitter to join the conversation with me here and, and talk about some of the things I talked about. If you have an in uh, opinion on the Out of Bounds segment, also talk to me about that on Twitter. I will love to talk about this kind of stuff with you guys, and I, I just want to have some more interaction with you guys as well. Make sure to send me any kind of questions that I can talk about on the podcast as well. And if you know somebody or if you would like me to reach out to somebody to get onto the podcast, definitely let me know as well. And make sure you check out BasketballSocietyOnline.com and check out the Underdog Sports Podcast Network. Thank you guys for listening this week, and I will catch you guys next week. Peace!